0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDSE.
1: Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January twenty sixth, the Shoplifting Snitch edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit.
2: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting Column. I'm mom to Naima, who is nine and three quarters, and we live in Los Angeles.
0: And I'm Carvel Wallace, a writer and podcaster based in Oakland, California, and also the new co-host of Slate's How To. And I'm the father to Georgia, who is 17, and Ezra, who is 19. Welcome Welcome back to back. the show, Happy to be here. Those words just came tumbling out automatically, like they lived in my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they never leave. They never leave.
2: Carvel was my predecessor on Mom and Dad are fighting. I replaced him, Mm -hmm. and so I'm trying to think because that was 2018, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was 2018.
0: I don't know what time is. Like, why are you putting me in the spot trying to figure out time? I can't do that. That's beyond my skill set. (laughs) every day is one day that's all i know
2: (laughs) one day at a time
0: one day at a time (laughs) one day at a time and on this
1: day uh we've got an interesting question about a group of freshman girls who won't stop shoplifting makeup our letter writer is mulling over if she should let their parents know or if she should just keep quiet then if you're sticking around for slate plus we're gonna dive into the great sleepover divide here's what you'll hear if you have slate plus
0: Jamila said it before, there's this weird like letting go that is the long game of parenting. It's like you let go of the rope piece by piece, bit by bit. And sometimes the moment of letting go is like you're afraid and you're not sure about it, but you still do it. And I did that with my kids. I don't know if it was always the right decision. I mean, Ezra told me recently that when I sent him to a sleepover one time at this kid's house, they all snuck out. They were, were like, in fourth grade. They all snuck out and went to Jack in the Box at, like, midnight, which is, like, way— And I just was, like, you and your dumb friends were, like, wandering around in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like, that's a terrifying thing. But the thing is, when I look at my own childhood, I was doing all kinds of stuff that if my parents knew I was up to, they would be terrified. That's part of the thing of it.
1: Being a Slate Plus member means that you get a bonus segment from us each week— unlimited access to the slate website and perhaps best of all zero ad interruptions you can sign up for slate plus now at slate.com mom plus okay we're going to dive into our triumphs and fails of the week but not before a quick break see you back here in a second
3: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions supply.
1: All right. We're back. Carvel, would you like to go first?
0: Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with a fail um, because they're so much more interesting than Triumphs. This just happened a couple, like a few months ago. As some of you may know, my son, Ezra, has graduated from high school and moved to New York City. He's not in college. He just decided to move to New York City, saved up a bunch of money from his various jobs, and he decided to go there and just take a crack at life. He doesn't really have a plan. He's got some subsidized housing through a family friend for now, and he's just out there doing it. And it's terrifying, but I also, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I'm happy for him. So... Um, I was out there visiting a couple months ago and um he's living in this apartment and it's he's got nothing his like his you know cans of beans are on the floor I mean he's living oh you know gosh. like a 19 year old living or something so at some point I said uh, I des- developed this plan that I was going to like take him shopping at IKEA and at the grocery store and I was going to do this big thing where I was going to set up his whole space for him and I had been at Ikea the day before, and I was like, picked out some shelves, and oh, this will be good for the thing, and you could, th- this will be good for a pantry. I had this whole vision. So I told him, yeah, tomorrow, son, like, leave your day clear. You and me are going to go to Ikea. And we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to get everything done. It's going to be this thing. And he's like, oh, okay, dad, sure. And I had this vision in my mind that it's going to be this great day of, like, father-son bonding, setting up. Mm-hmm. We're putting together lamps. We're putting together dressers. We're laughing. We're bonding. And all of my excitement, I failed to notice that he was kind of like resistant and maybe even a little quiet about stuff. He just wasn't as excited as I thought he was. And so finally, at some point, we got to these little Ikea carts that were like $19 a pop that I just knew up and down were gonna be like the key to making his whole kitchen work. And I was feeling so proud, you know, I've lived on my own since I was 17 years old. Okay, I'm 48. And so I have a lot of pride in my ability to be like a functioning adult. Like, you know, even when the kids were little, I was a stay at home dad, I ran the kitchen, like I'm like Mr. Homemaker and I have all this pride in it. And I was just so excited to pass this on to my son, you know? And so I didn't notice that he was kind of resistant. And so when I whipped out the plan about these Ikea, like sort of rolling cart things that he could use as a pantry, He was just like, well, why do I need those? And I'm like, because you do. And he's like, but why? And this like little fight started and it turned into this big fight and I could not figure out why this kid was like mad at me. Like I'm paying for everything. I'm sharing all this knowledge. Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. And we're like, the tensions are getting high and we haven't fought in a long time because at a certain point, I just started treating him like you're an adult. Like you're, I'm not gonna fight with you anymore. Like you're, you know what I mean? You're not 14. Like I'm not trying to get you to do your homework anymore. You're on your own. So like, it felt a little bit weird to be in like conflict with what is kind of this grown man at this point. And then at some point he just said, dad, you never even asked me if I wanted to do this. Like you never even asked me." And I was like, Mm. oh my God, he's right. Like I never even asked him. He was like, you can't talk to me like this. I'm not a child. And of course in my mind, I'm like, of course you're a child. You're just a baby, (laughs) a newborn babe out there in the world. But what I realized in that moment is that he was right. I had come with this whole vision that was just like based on me being in charge, domination, control, here's what I'm gonna do. You just step back, dad's gonna handle everything. And that he wasn't there for that and he wanted to collaborate. And that's why he was getting mad at me. And he just said it like straight, like, you can't talk to me that way. And I was like, Oh my God, you're, right. <laughs> you're right. I can't. I'm so sorry. Like my bad, you know. And then after that, it was cool. Like we went, got the stuff. He turned out he was really into the IKEA trays. He was like, these are actually really helpful. I'm, you know, and we had like a normal thing, but it was just, mm. I like really. I like really fell into the trap of just like sliding into this dude's life and trying to like dominate and control and manage it because I felt that I had all this wisdom and he needed it. Parenting kids who were adults is different than parenting little kids. That's all.
1: Once you you gave each other permission to, to proceed as you were, like, did, did you still come at it with like, oh, you should get this thing for the kitchen or were you more open to like, what do you think you should have to organize your spatulas? Well,
0: what's interesting is that He changed like he was more open to it because he felt like he was willing to hear it. The thing I've really been impressed with him that he can do that I can't is he can change his attitude on a dime. Like I get stubborn and stuck in something. Mm. And so if my ego is hurt, I'm going to be even if I know you're right, I'm still going to grump around for a good little while before I finally come through. Mm. And he can just say what's on his mind. And if he feels like it's been heard, he'll drop it. And that's what he did in that conversation. Like he was all tense and weird and conflictual. And then finally he said what he needed to say. I heard it. I acknowledged it. And then he was done. Like it was no more conflict. It was like, okay, so what do you think I should get? You know, I don't know. It just like changed the whole vibe. It's like, he just needed to be acknowledged. In this particular way, and to his credit, he advocated for that acknowledgement so clearly. He's growing up.
2: Parenting from babyhood is like stepping back slowly, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. stepping further and further back, mm-hmm. and it is a terrifying act. I'm sitting here ready to have an anxiety attack just the <laughs> idea of my daughter being 19. I really have gone through all the ways that I'm not prepared for it, and yeah. you know that I, that I, I uh,
1: God, yeah, it's bless really you. scary. yeah will he just call you and check in
0: yeah he does call me he calls me a lot because he he needs help with a lot of things like how do i fill out this 1099 just what what should i do with this chicken is this chicken still good it was frozen and then it wasn't frozen That you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so he does call me for advice a lot and we have a standing sunday phone call that we always do that's where we just like freeform. We j- he just goes off and whatever he's thinking about. and We talk about just whatever stuff and it's really nice. It's like really nice right now. By the way, 1099s and chicken. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing with either <laughs> Me of those. Neither. They're such adult things. How would you know that? How would you know what to do? With <laughs> how those would things? I know? <laughs> Jamila, how
1: about you? What went on this week?
2: So, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I've been having a bit of a tough time and Got some very kind emails from listeners. Thank you. You are always so sweet. But one of the challenges that I'd been having prior to Thursday the 12th um, was that I wasn't writing on a regular basis. As you all know, I'm working on a book. And I'd had like a hardcore month of between the holidays and just kind of writer's block, you know, like just not writing it was bad, you know, like my deadline is this summer, and I've got a lot of it done. So it's not, you know, that I'm necessarily off off. But, you know, this book is a living, breathing thing that has to be delivered by a certain time. And I need to be consistent with it. You know, Um, I understand that not every writing day is going to be a good writing day. But more often than not, I should be writing and I just was not writing and not writing, you know, much else either, aside from the column I do for Karen Feeding, um, which I've been consistent with uh, since 2018, and I'm proud of that. Um, but anyway, uh, on the 12th, I started this ritual that I've used in the past of meditating and then journaling and then writing, and I wrote 1,400 words, and the next day I wrote 1,500 and. Since then, I have written every working day, uh, with the exception of Monday the 16th, because my daughter was off of school. But I've written every day, whether it was for the book or an article. uh, And I've written an article for another publication. I did a freelance piece, and I hadn't been doing those very often. I need to be doing them more often now. Um, But I was trying to be committed to the book. And I wrote my slate column for this week early, and I wrote some jokes, and I just wrote. And so I feel right. good uh, as a writer right now. Like, I feel like I'm in it, and that's really significant because for a while I was not, and it was very scary. And then, like, the act of getting back on the horse becomes so anxiety mm-hmm. inducing, you know, and mm-hmm. just goes on and on. But I think I'm back.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Nice work. Yeah. Thank you. I super relate to that it is really hard especially after a long period of not writing to get back on like every time i don't write for like a, a couple of days a week or so i start writing and i'm like wait what are, what are work like what how do this? you write what's the sentence? <laughs> i have no idea what's going on it's so stressful so i i just i really feel that struggle and i'm i think you're doing first of all when i was writing my book which is still in edits but i was told by everyone i knew that no one turns their book in on time yeah. And I can't figure out if that was if I needed to hear that or if I didn't need to hear that because
2: Oh yeah. I'm you definitely I'm not. Saying? July does not represent on time. By the way, of where <laughs> okay, the okay. book was there originally due. This is okay, the new deadline. This go. is the deadline that Mama has to make. That's so what she I like. Can get hear. her check.
0: Okay. You okay. Know, right. Yeah. That because that becomes the other thing is that you don't get the check and now you're out here broke and then you have to keep yeah. taking. This is what happened to me. And then I had to keep taking freelance articles that I was like yep. kind of so so on because I needed to keep the lights on, which then got in the way of me writing the book and it becomes this yep. cycle. So I'm, I'm there with you. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
1: I have uh, a little triumph in the wake of a bit of a failure. As our listeners know, Ami, especially my two-year-old, but Noah even sometimes too, has trouble sleeping. And last night was one of those nights where it was like Noah was up at twelve thirty, and then Ami was up at one thirty. Mm-hmm. Then Noah was up at two. 23- they were just trading off, being a pain in the butt. yikes you know. Um and fortunately neither of them were sick they just like weren't sleeping well um we've gotten back into not a great habit of ami will he can like sleep till four and then we go in there when he starts crying and he like won't let us leave no. he's like lay down lay down no. and it's so cute yeah. and he's so cuddly um and then if we try to leave he'll just like wake right back up so like one of us is like sleeping in there with him from four to seven which isn't isn't great for his sleep training but it's kind of nice so it was a pretty sleepless night i read some Carvel wallace archival work when i couldn't go back to sleep and then finally this morning noah woke up like an hour before she usually does and often when she wakes up before shira and i are up she will like come in and ask for the tv there for the ipad and if we're too exhausted we sometimes let her do it but this morning i was like no if you want to be up right now you can go and read in your room and she did Mm. she went and uh turned her lamp on she went to the bathroom by herself and she was reading um you know looking at looking at her books she's uh she can identify letters so there was the triumph in her actually going and and heeding that call to not watch the ipad but actually you know, just entertain herself, which she also has a hard time with, but is getting better mm-hmm. at. Um, and then also, she was like, when, when I did get up, she's like, I want to start. I want to actually learn how to read. I don't want to just do picture books. So that was exciting, too, that she's like jazzed about learning to read. And so it, it kind of made the sleepless night a little bit better, you know, having watched her make that that leap of maturity, um, which was really the first time I, I think that she's she's done that. So
0: yeah. it's amazing how many of the triumphs that we have in the show we're just like my kid agreed to do something <laughs> <laughs> the kid just my kid said agreed yes. to let me have shop for furniture yes. with him <laughs> to my will they're in charge yes <laughs>
1: well on that note we're going to take another quick break see you back here in a minute
3: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance
1: We are back and ready to hear our listener question, which is being read by the wonderful Shasha Leonard.
4: Dear mom and dad, my high school freshman daughter told me that two of her friends like to shoplift items from Sephora. They will go in a group or alone and walk out with things they didn't pay for. They justify it by saying the company makes so much money, they won't miss the items they take anyway. One family is upper middle class, the other more well off. So essentially, neither kid needs to steal. My daughter told the girls they need to stop. What if they get caught? Don't they feel guilty, etc.? But that hasn't changed anything. I know the moms from an after-school activity. We are friendly, but not friends. If my kid was stealing, I would want to know. But a big part of me thinks that this is going to turn into a shoot-the-messenger situation if I say something to the parents. How would you handle this?
2: All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my answer is going to suck, but uh, I think you kind of got to stay out of this one. Mm. These... Uppity heifers will destroy your child socially. It is not worth it. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if you were friends with the women, I, the burning desire to tell my friend, you know, here's what's going on with your daughter might change my answer. And even then I'd say like, but you cannot let them find out that my daughter told you. Like that is incredibly important. You know, like you have to look through some, you know, look through her makeup, ask her how she got stuff follow her to Sephora and whatever you do to bust her, you cannot let my child take the fall for this because as much as these girls deserve to be punished, you know, like, and there's some tricky variables. Like if these are girls of color, like what getting arrested could mean for them, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're so them getting in trouble is kind of a precarious thing, but regardless of their background, While they deserve to be held accountable, I don't think your daughter needs to suffer for that happening. And so unless you know for a fact that you can trust these women not to tell, which you don't because you don't know these people, I think you should stay out of it. I mean, if you really want to be a superhero about this, if you're so pressed, you can try to find a time where they're in Sephora and like just go snitch on them.
1: Wait, find a time when they're in Sephora and go snitch on them too. To Sephora,
2: Sephora staff.
1: Ooh,
0: okay. You know, <laughs>
2: or just roll up on them. Be like, I yeah. know you and I just saw you steal that lipstick, you yeah. know?
0: Just c- catch yep. them right outside, the, right outside the, the shop.
2: In a perfect world, you could just confront the kids yourself. Like, look, I'm not getting in this with your parents for now, but you need to stop. But I mean, whatever, because they might just pay you lip service to your face and keep on stealing
0: yeah, yeah. What do you think? Carole? I tend to, agree, I mean, I tend to agree with everything Jimmy said. Like the my thir- first thought is like, well, if are these white kids or are they not? Because if they are, that's one thing. If like my black daughter and her black friends were shoplifting. I probably would feel like I would want to tell the other parent because like it has the potential to not just be like exactly. oh, kids, are being kids like this could turn into something that is like real serious for people real quick. Mm-hmm. So I think and I, I would expect the other parents of color would appreciate that, you know, but no, Jamila exactly right. Like this thing where one kid becomes like the snitch in a group and the other parents find out because of one kid that like the repercussions of that go on forever. And I know this from experience because we had that exact same thing when my kids were in their teens and something was going on and my son mentioned it to me and it was like troubling. So I mentioned it to a parent and then the parent like a reacted terribly, but B my son just experienced just years of like everyone being like, you can't fucking tell him anything. He'll fucking tell his dad right away, blah, blah. And I just was like, Oh, my bad son, (laughs) you know, like my bad. And it was like, it was a safety situation. So I still feel, Fairly okay about mentioning it, but I did see how how that ostracized him for a long time. And yeah, you don't want your your daughter doesn't deserve that. This is assuming your daughter's not out there shoplifting too, which I, you know, everyone. It's always the other kids. It's never your kid. It might be your kid too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I tend to think that shoplifting in general from like a huge corporation is like people may kill me for saying this. I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world for a kid to do. Um, It's not ideal. But I also don't think it's, like, something where there has to be an immediate intervention. I would mostly leave alone. I would tell my my daughter, like, uh, if I ever catch you doing this, there's consequences. I'm not leaving that alone. So just be on your guard. But outside of that, like, these kids are going to do what they're going to do. And if they end up having to, like, deal with security and having authorities get involved, then that's kind of on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the big factor, like you mentioned, Jamila, is that – this parent is not friends with the people it would be a totally i think it'd be a totally different situation if they were and also it does seem of course we don't know uh if the daughter's telling the truth but it seems like your daughter is telling the girls they need to stop what if they get caught etc that like that's a triumph <laughs> you know your kid's not stealing your kid is uh you know has a sense of has a sense of ethics there so if that's true then like i don't know that's you're kind of coming out in a in a good spot there
2: And it's good to know that your child, I mean, you know, again, if they're being on the up and up, now you two plant that seed in my head. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. This kid could be in (laughs) on it, you know? But it's good that your child trusts you to tell you things like this, you know, and hopefully they'll continue to trust you to tell you things that are troubling. And if there is a, a time where you have to intervene, you simply must intervene. But, you know, better to establish your this is a good low hanging fruit, you know, way for you to establish yourself as a safe space without there being a lot at risk here.
0: Yeah, I I want to echo that. That does indicate that like you you have a fairly good relationship with your kid. That that they would bring this up and they would like you know have this conversation with you and seek your input and advice on that. Um, Because that's really what it is. And when I say the kid might be in on it, I don't know that like necessarily the ringleader. But uh, you know, oftentimes my experience with teenagers is that they will tell sort of 80% of the truth, but there'll be a little extra 20% that they keep in the back pocket. And, you know, so like that could be the case here too. So not to suggest that this kid is like secretly some kind of criminal mastermind, but the kid's self-reporting has them as like this angelic figure, like, how dare you in the eyes of the Lord, like steal, you know what I mean? And it's like, maybe it's a little bit more complicated than that, but. On the whole, the kid is like trying to do the right thing and is unsure how to handle this situation. And so is the parent. And I think you kind of have to leave it alone and just worry about your own kid and make sure your kid knows that there will be significant consequences if they get further into this
2: pay attention to your child's makeup collection you know yeah. just be aware of, of what's there and you know how much you're giving them if they have an after school job or not you know mm-hmm. like how they might be acquiring makeup mm-hmm. um because i didn't boost but there were boys who did in my class mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure i got something at some point you oh, know sure. what i mean so she might be getting things from them which i'm also like that is so not a crime you know what i mean like uh but um just pay attention because that you know that could certainly be a gateway into getting involved with it herself you know just take things and be like wow this is what i get from just being a friend of a booster imagine if i started taking things myself
1: Well, thank you so much for writing in. If you have any advice for our letter writer, we're all ears. Send us a voice memo or email to momanddad at slate.com. And that's it for our show. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Audio at Slate. For Jamila Lemieux and Carvel Wallace, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening.